This is the Tanakh podcast with Alex Israel. Today, Yecheskel Perek Chaf, Ezekiel chapter 20. And we are thinking and praying for the success of our Chayalei Tzavah Haganali Israel fighting in Gaza for the return of all the rest of the hostages, the Chatufim, and for the healing of all of the wounded. Today we're learning chapter 20. What a remarkable chapter, 44 Psukim, and a historical review with many, many surprises, things that we never, ever knew from the Torah about Yitziat Mitzrayim, and about our theological relationship with God. The chapter begins with the elders of the community coming to Yechaskel to consult with him. We get a date, the 10th of the 5th month in the 7th uh, year, and the elders of Israel come to seek God, and they sit before me. And God responds to him and says, they want to seek me. I want to seek them. Um, and, and he launches into a review of how we behaved in Egypt and then how we behaved in the wilderness, the first generation in the wilderness, the second generation in the wilderness, and then how we behaved when we came to Eretz Yisrael. Let's look at a few of these details. He says, uh, I'm reading from Pasuk Vav. On the day that I revealed myself to you, when I wanted to take you out of Egypt, to the land which I designated for them, to that wonderful land, I told the Jewish people, You're going to have to get rid of all your Avodah Zarah. Yecheskel, um, says that in Egypt, we actually worshipped Avodah Zarah. And he says, Vayamrubi, but they rebelled against me. They preferred not to come out of Egypt, and they preferred to just remain with their idolatry. Says God, I even thought of destroying the Jewish people there and there in Egypt. But for Aslaman Shemi, but I acted for my own name, so that I would not profane my name amongst the nations. And indeed, I brought them out of Egypt. And I gave them my laws. And I told them to keep Shabbat, etc. And he said, uh, I took them out to the wilderness. And they rebelled against me again. They didn't listen to my laws. And they transgressed my Shabbat. They profaned my Shabbat. And I was thinking of getting rid of them in the Midbar, destroying them there and then. But I acted for my own name in order that my name not be profaned amongst the nations. Um, let's, let's just stop for a minute and realize how many chidushim, how many innovations are here. Number one, did the Israelites worship idolatry in Egypt? Do we know that they did? You know, there, here there are two schools of thoughts. There are two contrary schools. One school says, 
that in Egypt the Jewish people were loyal. They did not change uh, their names. They did not change their dress. Um, they were loyal to the Jewish cause. And then here is another school, which is the school of Yechezkel, who says, no, 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 we were on the 49th level of Tum'ah. We were on the verge of assimilation here in Egypt. Yechezkel's, by the way, in, in, in Shemot, we really, we, we really don't know. Um, the people, in fact, when they hear that God is coming to redeem them, are very, very glad. It's difficult to imagine how a tribe, a small group of people, or even a large group of people, having lived in Egypt for hundreds of years, would not have been absorbed into the cultural framework of Egypt, which was idolatrous and polytheistic. But really, the only example that we know of idolatry is the is the is is the golden calf. Uh, we don't have this concept that they were steeped in idolatry here. So that's number one. Number two, the idea that they broke Shabbat. There are two instances in the Midbar of breaking Shabbat. Uh, one, of course, is with the man, where they're told not to go out and collect the man on Shabbat. Um, and there are seem to be a few people who do. And another example of the Mekoshesh Etzim, the, water get, the, the, the wood gatherer. But other than that, widespread breaking of Shabbat, but maybe one of the most exceptional pieces of Yechezkel is that the Jewish people were not deserving of redemption, the Jewish people were not deserving of surviving the wilderness, but sometimes God acts for his own agenda. God, God acts It's not because we're so great, but it's because God and the Jewish people are connected, and if God destroys the Jewish people, um, then it will look bad for him. Now, this, of course, is a, a, a theology which is expressed in the Torah very, very strongly. For example, with the golden calf, Moshe argues with God and says, Lama yomru Mitzrayim? What will the Egyptians say? That God wants to um, kill the Jewish people rather than bring them out of Egypt. In other words, this will look very bad for you, God. This is also something that we find in Moses' prayer at the Meraglim. It's something that we find in Parsha Azinu, where God says, Amarti afehem. I had said I wanted to destroy the Jewish people. Ashbita menosh zichram. I would destroy them. But then what would the enemy say? It will look bad for God. So we have a lot of Chidoshim here. The Jewish people doing idolatry in Egypt, God wanting to destroy them in Egypt. We have the centrality of Chilol Shabbat. We have the idea that God only saves his people in order to preserve his name. We also have the idea of them remaining in the wilderness for a second generation, not because of the story of the spies, but instead because, once again, they don't keep Shabbat. And Ki Gilulehem Libam Holech because they do idolatry and of course when they get to the land they also once again um, perform all sorts of abominations on the bamot on the altars and they don't keep the religion what is this whole story um by the way it's a threefold story a three plus four story um and what's what's happening here and i think the key sukim uh we have to look at here are Pasuk Lamad Aleph, Lamad Bet, and maybe that'll be the key. Because there, 
Yechezkel gets to the point. He says, um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to demand of you. He says, What you're thinking will not happen. And now he quotes the people. And this is what they say. Let's be like the nations. And this is the last surprise. We're used to God taking us out of Egypt and directing his Yad Chazaka, his mighty hand, and his Zorana and his outstretched arm, and his overflowing anger against the Egyptians. But what he says is, he's actually going to direct these to the Jewish people because they're saying, we want to be like the nations, we want to be like the families of the world. What's going on here? Uh, I think it's we can put it together in the following way. Uh, there are two schools of thought here. One says that um, everything Yechezkel says is true. The people did commit idolatry in Egypt and they never kept Shabbat. And that God didn't mention it in the Torah, but he sort of kept the accounts and everything accumulated. And eventually when the Chorban happens, he blames them for everything that they had done over the last 900 years. And there is a Midrash like that, which says indeed that God's anger had been stored for 900 years. And in that case, what you're saying is Yechezkel's version of history is, is the historically accurate truth. And uh, for some reason, the Torah decided not to not to emphasize it. I want to go in the other direction. And I want to claim that actually Yechezkel is giving a rereading of history. He's reading the history backwards in the light of the present. And what do I mean? Yechezkel is preparing the way for the Jewish nation to go into Galut for the first time in, in 800 years, in 900 years. And he can see already what the community in Babylon are saying. They're saying, if Jerusalem is destroyed, we want to be just like the nations, without any Jerusalem, without any temple. We can just assimilate. Or alternatively, we can make a Mikdash here in in Babylon. In fact, uh, later on, many some hundreds of years later, the uh, a Mikdash was set up, a Mikdash to God, in Elephant and in, in Egypt. And he says, that won't happen. I am never going to let the Jewish people assimilate, just like I didn't let them assimilate in Egypt, and just like I didn't let them assimilate in the wilderness. I didn't let the first generation leave their observance of Shabbat and not the second generation leave their observance of Shabbat. So if you think that you can get away from being the Jewish people, even in your exile, you will see that I will come chasing you throughout your exile and I will remind you over and over of your Jewish identity that as a Jewish people, you bear the stamp of God. You are God's people. And therefore God says, I will not allow you to assimilate. I will not allow you to lose your Jewish identity. However hard you try, I will keep you in the in, in the game as the Jewish people. And every time you start forgetting Jews, something will come and remind you that you are Jews. And eventually it will bring you back to the land and you will reestablish your home there, which will fulfill the best side of the Jewish vision. And now we understand why the people are coming along to speak to Yechezkel. They're saying the temple's being destroyed. What will be of Judaism? And he says, don't ever even consider dropping your Jewish identity.
because you never will be able to. And just like God wouldn't, he rereads the story of Egypt. He says, the people in Egypt tried to assimilate, God wouldn't let them. The people in the wilderness tried to abandon God, God wouldn't let them. And God won't let you either. And this is quite a significant message about the survival of the Jewish people throughout all the different diasporas over the millennia. Think how many Jews have lost their Jewish identity and yet we've still remained a small people, but we've still remained here. And the people who have remained true to their Jewish identities, they're the one who have carried the Jewish torch through history. That's it for today. See you tomorrow.